The three principles can be all channeled into two words, change thought. But Sid's not talking about personal thought. He's talking about a deeper dimension of thought. When Sid says change thought, he's not talking about picking apples and oranges, as he said, as he would say. You know, I'm talking about you see that your thoughts are the boogeyman. You shift them over. You stop applying your your consciousness to those thought. You just change thought. Your addiction is gone. Hello and welcome to Brand New Thought. I'm your host, Razmik Sargissian, and this is a podcast about the mind, how it works, and how understanding it can help us. Every time I speak with someone who shares their desires or seeks some sort of advice, I'm surprised by how common the majority of our problems are. And I kind of think about it as good news. Roughly speaking, we all want the same thing. We want to be happy and productive. We want less stress, more creativity, less anxiety, more energy. But given our cultural conditioning, religious beliefs or other patterns of thought, we seek solutions in different domains. People pray, meditate, exercise, do breath work, go to therapy, hire a coach, etc, etc. But what if we go beyond all these differences and try to reach the core field of perception, something that everyone can relate to? Rumi, the famous Persian mystic, has a poem that speaks to this. He writes, Out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I will meet you there. Sounds very mystical and metaphoric, doesn't it? But I hope that our guest for today, Harry Derbitsky, will help us make it more practical. Harry is the president of Advanced Coaches Training and the author of a book called Evolution of Addiction Recovery. One of the reasons I wanted to speak with Harry is that he has worked with indigenous Native American communities, and now he works with Muslim communities. So we can talk with him about what it is that goes beyond differences and speaks to our common humanity. We have discussed a lot of topics such as non-religious and practical spirituality, how to overcome addictions, the role of thought, what happens to our mental health during holiday seasons, how to integrate deeper insights into our everyday lives, and many more issues about wellness and personal transformation. Don't forget to subscribe to Brand New Thought and leave us a review. It really helps spread the word. And if you find resonance with what's being shared here, go to brandnewthought.com where you can find more ways to maximize your personal and professional potential, including webinars and personalized coaching sessions. Harry Derbitsky, you're so welcome to the Brand New Thought Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. You're a fascinating person and you've had a fascinating path. You're a white person, white Jewish person that has worked with Native American communities. Now you work with Muslim communities and you are a mental health educator. You share the understanding of the three principles But unlike many others, you didn't take it to the more or less traditional coaching therapy or business path. You took it to a more collective direction and you've been working with these communities. So I want to begin by asking you, what prompted you to do that? And just please share a little bit about what happened. It's a a great question because, of course, I've had to look at it as well, the, the unusual path. 
when when as an original student, pretty much an original student, in 1976 with with Sidney Banks, when it was first opened up, and and he started to talk, and and I was a friend to the family and a friend to him, um, but we got together. And his message was spiritual, so there was not a direction. In, in the sense of what, where you could apply it to. It was applicable to everything. And so if you were ever to do a job interview, you, you felt you could be the president of the company as well as the person who washed the dishes because you brought your state of mind in, into that uh, perspective. But I wasn't interested in the psychological. I was interested in the spiritual message of Sidney Banks. And that pretty much answers your question, that if you're looking from a spiritual perspective, life brings you into these situations and you have an openness to it and an appetite for it. But there was a, a more pragmatic reason for it as well. So the first movement, it was a spiritual, a spiritual experience where I and a bunch of other people uh, were the fruit of Sid's teaching. So the psychologists came and they saw all these people who had no psychological background or some had more than others and I had zero, uh, but they were well-adjusted, happy, wise human beings living incredible lives. And that it really, that, that was the proof. So they were impacted by Sid and his message. They started to hear, but Sid wasn't the typical guru type guy. He wasn't dynamic. He wasn't, uh, he was a, a average looking Scottish welder with a grade eight education who, was, who had, had an enlightenment experience, which surprised him. He said it was a fluke. Of course, but the trouble is, once you have the fluke, you can't pretend you don't have it, you know. And, and he started to, and at, at a certain point, it the Salt Spring experience matured, ripened, but now wasn't able to take it, it take it out into the world. We just didn't have the skills, the abilities, and the psychologists came. And the movement shifted. And at that point, when the psychologist came, I was got stuck. I put my, my feet in the mud. I didn't like psychology and I, I was missing the boat. I stepped out of being in the mainstream of what was happening was, I remained friends with Sid, but I wasn't working in the, and wasn't getting involved in the psychological part of the message. And then at a certain point, I woke up enough to see that I was missing the boat. I didn't like it because there was one thing I knew about Sid's message, it worked. Everything else didn't seem to work. And my main focus has always been, I want the reason I like what Sid was sharing was first the impact on myself, but I knew it was the answer to alleviate all human suffering. And I was into that. I cared more about people than I cared about me. And I wanted to help. I wanted to be part of the solution. And then at a certain point, I realized I had missed the boat. But the problem was now it was all psychological 
and it was all they all were PhDs and 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 doing all this incredible work. And and I would go out sometimes and and travel and go to see them and and I could see that I was a higher level of consciousness, but I'd go back into my ordinary world that wouldn't help. So all of a sudden, I saw I needed I needed something to do in the area, like you, I, we've talked about, if you're not part of the story, you're missing the boat. You, like what you're doing is allowing you to share and find out. And so I, I went on a trip with my family, maybe 500, 800 miles away. And in the middle of, middle of the trip, I took a walk and there was this mountain and it would, all the trees had been cut down. It was scarred and my heart just went, cried. I could just see the Travis business taking advantage and it was just beautiful. And right at that moment, a, na a native Indian woman walked up. We never said a word. Both of us had this exact same feeling. And I walked away and I says, I gotta work with these people. That's how it happens. Spirit takes us into these strange places because that's who I am. I just am not just this. I have a spirit that need fix. And so it wasn't very long. And I came back from the trip. This is very interesting. And I phoned Sid up, you know, it's, this is one of the privileges of being a friend is you can just phone him up. And of course, it wasn't so big as it got type of thing. Immediately, he comes down with his wife there. It's his birthday and they're all dressed up and they come down for a visit to me. And I'm going, Jesus, but they he had picked up that I had picked up a feeling. You see, on Salt Spring, I had a huge spiritual experience. It's all what I could describe. Everything stopped. My thinking stopped. And all of a sudden, I wasn't there as a human being. I was just there as consciousness. I could hear every bird, every sound, no thoughts. And that stayed for about four or five minutes where I was in this oneness. And when I came out of it, which is, of course, I started to think on a personal level, I wasn't the same person because I knew life was spiritual. And I followed and understood that feeling deeper and deeper. But that experience had a minor, a major uh, didn't see thing. It included spirit or mind. It included consciousness. It included oneness. It didn't include thought. And so I had to have a different experience a little later on that, in, that, that showed me what thought was. But I, so I was still psychologically a loose cannon. But I always knew no matter how bad or good things were that it was spiritual. 
And so I started to follow the spiritual direction. And this is where it took me. So I hope that explains a little bit. I didn't follow a linear path. We were talking about the indigenous world being cyclical in the way they see the mystical side of life. I wasn't linear. And you start to learn your uniqueness. I wasn't like everybody else. I never was. And I was smart and intuitive and creative, but not linear. I didn't fit in. And I, you know, I try to work in jobs. The only trouble was I was 10 times smarter than the bosses. They didn't like that. They wanted me to be who they would take my good idea. I had tons of good ideas. And then they tell me to wash toilets. And I go, well, didn't you just hear? The, and they took it as their own. And, and it, so I, I didn't fit in. I didn't fit. And that part of that was my lack of understanding of how to play the game outside of the spiritual in the world of form. It's still a game, but I wasn't good at that game. And, and so I just followed my creative, intuitive spirit, and it took me on a mighty fine journey. You see, people, I did everything wrong, but it worked out. That's my message. Everything wrong, but it worked out. That's so a beautiful, happy. very inspiring story. Yeah, yeah. Follow your heart. Follow who you are. Stop trying to fit in. Naturally, you have to play the game of fitting in. That's the rules of form. But to give up your soul, oh, you're full. You won't be happy. You can't. Because you'll 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 fit in, everyone will compliment you, but you still have your own thoughts. And your own thoughts will say, oh, I'm still not doing it. I'm still not happy. I'm not free and happy. I'm not I'm not creative and happy. I'm not kind and happy. Hmm. And that you mentioned go yeah. ahead go ahead uh you mentioned that you had this experience of oneness and you could see the aliveness and the oneness of all things and i think that that's behind all genuine spirituality and even comparative mythologists uh, like joseph campbell i mean one, one thing that his research points to is that in essence all religions point to the same thing the essence of all things but i don't know whether it's our culture or the limitations of our language but we mostly talk about the differences and not so much about the commonalities so as someone that has worked with both let's say native americans and muslim communities share a little bit what kind of pointers you have seen and like in in the context of three principles that actually point to the same thing yeah it's a great question and so it's again an intuitive answer but it's the way you see things like if you see differences there are differences because that's the role of thought thought is the creative force that allows you to filter your your understanding of what you see 
as an individual. Collectively, the, the, the role, see the, the collective is oneness and in oneness you learn quiet the little mind because it interferes with the oneness. Give up your personal opinion. In the psychological, the individual, you're, 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 you're looking for, for, for yourself and you're taught to, to quiet your mind because it interferes with, 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 the, with, with your success on a personal level. And then at a certain point, you reach a stage where this quiet mind and you start to say, and what else is there? And then you step into the spiritual. So the quiet mind leads to the spiritual. And when you're in the spiritual, it's the requirement for staying in the spiritual or saying that it's one. So that's the three principles. In, in, in essence, what you can see is thought. And if you understand that it's the same, they're both the same thing, but they, lead, they arrive in the middle, your spiritual human being. So mm. it, from that context, now, if you, if, you, if you live that, it's different than if you talk about it. You see, what you're talking about, the first thing is what's the theoretical or the philosophical or the... And then the second is how do you apply it in, in, in actually doing it? And that's, again, the principles. The principles are not to go to a conference and experience a high or a group consciousness. It's very helpful. It reminds you of who you are, but you, you haven't heard anything if you don't go back into your ordinary life and apply it. That's Native American teaching. You can go into a ceremony, you go into the sweat lodge, and you, the spirit comes. And take my word for it, you know the spirit has come. I'm not talking about hokey pokey stuff. I'm talking about fact. And it's come. And you have this incredible spiritual feeling. Now, listen to this. This is so cool. So the, you come into a sweat lodge. The people have huge problems. They look beaten. They go in and experience the sweat ceremony, four rounds with the hot rocks, and it's all in an enclosed uh, circle. And they experience spirit. They come out totally healed, totally healed. Yet, they start talking about what they talked about before they went into the sweat, and then within 20 minutes, they've lost it. See, they didn't see where the spirit came from. They saw a spirit was healing, but they didn't see where it originated from. It was them who experienced that. They didn't see that. And so they started to talk about the same thing. So there's the trick addiction which which obviously the other thing is what am i doing in addiction when i've never taken a psychology course and i've never never uh uh been addicted theoretically you know i mean we've all everyone has addictive behavioral patterns everyone a hundred percent so don't start thinking you're so smart so uh but the role of thought is the psychological component that it creates form. 
it creates feelings, it creates form. And the role is, is, is the three principles can be all channeled into two words, change thought. Change. But Sid's not talking about personal thought. He's talking about a deeper dimension of thought. That's the difference between what Sid, when Sid says change thought, he's not talking about picking apples and oranges, as he said, as he would say, you know, I'm talking about, you see that your thoughts are the boogeyman, you shift them over, you stop applying your, your consciousness to those thoughts, you just change thought, your addiction is gone. And when you want to think about it, it's back again. And then you change thought. Again, the three principles. When you start seeing it like that, you forget about whether a person is Indian or Muslim, or the woman has this, you know, had a jab on, you know, a jab on her, her, you know, you, you don't see that. You don't care about that. You care about the quality of the person in front of you. And that's all you see. Now, I'm going to give you an example of that. This is now I'm a guy who walks into strange worlds with strange people and doesn't notice it. So I'm never afraid. I'm never, I just don't notice it. There was a conference in Florida, the first annual psychological conference of the three principles. And there was a beautiful resort, huge. And I had, I shared it with this other guy. And we're like you and I, we just started to talk. You, you noticed it was sort of just like ignited. So you weren't Armenian or you weren't even your name. You were just, we were just, we didn't even get, I still looking at your name. I don't even know how to pronounce it actually, but, <laughs> but, but, because you, you never told me, but it's not a part of, and I, we started this guy and I said, and then after two hours, we just were talking, but I went, and he started, he mentioned something personally. I says, oh my God, you're black. And he says, well, of course I'm black. And I went, oh, I just never noticed. You see, you don't get, you get into the spirit, the essence of the person. You don't care what the book cover is about. You got to open the book up. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in the other, but I become an expert in working with all of those. So I learn the idiosyncrasies of the culture and, and stuff. And how do I learn it? They tell me. How, how could I go at age 69, never been, been in addiction, and all of a sudden I'm teaching? How? I didn't know anything about it. So who taught me? They taught me. Not from the books, not from the professors, not from the therapist, not from the psychologist, the actual people in it. They taught me what's on their mind. And so I started to, uh, I knew how to answer if I knew what the question was. Because with the three principles, you always have the answer. It's really simple, change thought. Where, where's the problem? No problem. Once you know what the question is, it's easy to answer. That's all I do with the Indians and the mother. But it just so happens I'm a crazy guy. I like to play 
with all these exotic flavors. I don't like just steak and potatoes. I like Armenian. I like I like uh, French. I like uh, oh Asian. I like all. The only thing is it can't be too spicy because now at my age, it upsets my stomach. But besides that, when I was younger, I liked even the spicy, but not so much now. I love that. And I think that playfulness or sense of aliveness is actually what people resonate with. It's just that feeling, isn't it? That's and I right. want to speak about the feeling. But before we get there, you mentioned something and I want to ask you about this. So you mentioned that in Native American ceremonies, people would have this experience of the one, of the formless, doesn't matter what we call it. And then they would, and then you get out of it, you come back to sort of your identity on a form level, and you might forget it. And this is a common, maybe challenge is not the right word, but even in, let's say you meditate, you touch that, and then you get out of it. People have this experience through psychedelics. So certain forms of psychedelic therapies are now being legalized or people do breath work or people have mystical experiences. What, how about the integration? And, and again, the three principles too, like the first time I heard it, I really heard it. I just stopped and laughed for 30 minutes nonstop because I could see that I had made up all this bullshit in my mind and I was buying into it. I was, I kept on persuading myself and momentarily I somehow I saw that it was all bullshit and I, I could see the role of thought in that and then you get out of it so it's not maybe the connection with the formless isn't as um, intense as in these experiences but you're you're not really the same but there is a problem with integration at least you, at least you have a memory of so even let's say you're you buy into thought you're into a lot of stress and all that you still feel that and but you kind of have the memory of what it felt to be beyond that. And therefore you're not afraid of it. And therefore you might allow it to pass it further. But speak a little bit about this integration phase. How could people integrate this sort of an understanding? Because it's not an intellectual thing, is it? It's actually well, beyond it's, the intellect. It's the opposite of an intellectual thing. Yeah. And um, it, your, your question, your question, I'm gonna answer your question a couple of ways. Well, first thing, I, I was training this um, uh, psychiatrist, which is interesting. I've never taken a psychology course. I like telling, <laughs> you know, I, I, working with the Muslims, I brought the, actually the psychiatrists in to talk to them. And they, they were all laughing because I was, I'm supposed to be the client. <laughs> He's my <laughs> client type of thing. Um, but it, that, again, shows the irony of the three principles is the quality of the person rather than the quality of the credentials type, type, of, type of experience. And he, at one point, he had a, an, uh, an apparent addiction thing and he's he and he wasn't getting he, we were having a good time but he wasn't it wasn't transmuting into his 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 thinking his reality so he he wrote uh, uh that he needed an exit strategy when he had this urge and and all this stuff and i wrote back i don't do exit strategies i don't do that the, the it's really quite simple in the muslim world one of the key elements of its teaching is detachment. As your level of consciousness goes up, which is obviously part of the picture of healing, you become more and more detached. You don't do it. 
what you do is what stays. What you forget about disappears. So you have to have a certain patience in, in understanding that you've only heard to a certain level and accept that. You only have one rule in life and that is live your own level of consciousness. Don't pretend you're higher than you are or lower than you are. You have to find out who you are. And this is your way of finding out who you really are not who you want to be. Now, within, within the context of that, because we know human beings are really pissed off with their life and who they are and what they've accomplished. Because when they were kids, they imagined they were kings and queens and, and Olympic champions. And now they're, you know, they still pee in their pants type or poop in their pants, you know, type of thing. So, so there's, there's a broader context to it in the see the three principles is teaching you about silence silence means not thinking about your form so at age 65 i just said the world's a, i don't care anymore nobody's listening and i don't like the world's a pain in the ass i had no money but I said, I'm just going to be happy and content. The hell with it. I, I, I'm not successful. I'm not doing this. This hasn't worked out. And I'm tired of it. I'm not playing anymore. I'm just going to get quiet and peaceful. I have no nothing. I have no money, no nothing. And for four years, I did that. And then I looked back and I said, my God, everybody's running around like squirrels running around for nuts and stuff. And I've got no problems. And at the same time, money came. And more than that, when did I become a nicer person? That turned out to be the, the bullseye. Like all of a sudden, when you don't have problems, you become a nicer person. That's what the essence of the three principles are. That's the essence of native Indian teaching to become a better human being. When did that happen? And what happened to all those bad habits that I would, they were just insecure, insecurity that I stopped applying. See, only you can keep it alive. Only you, obviously. And I just forgot about it. And all the things that I wasn't working on dropped. And all the things that I was working on stayed. Mm. See how psychology got it backwards? See how I could teach anything? I just teach people to forget about their problems. How do they do that? By seeing their beauty. Once they see how they're beautiful, not only have I worked in addiction and Indians and Muslims now as a training director of the Back to the Fitra Mentoring Academy Addiction Department, I've, I've done a group, uh, as I mentioned, in addiction. I also set up a mental health group. Eight people had major transformations. Major. 
schizophrenic, all the stuff. Nobody recognized it. Nobody in 3P, nobody outside in 3P. So I moved on, you know, but I saw it. And here's this one guy. We get together like you and I, you know how we started to talk and right away we just started to, to do it. And that's, we meet once a week, schizophrenic, paranoid, all that, all the, all the, all the stuff that everybody labels people along with physical stuff. And we're just, he's just an incredible spiritual guy, just an amazing Christian. And we go deep into the spiritual. And after about the fifth time, I say to him, you realize how beautiful you are? Nobody had ever told him. It wasn't the thought he had. And he goes like this. This is no bullshit. He goes like this. Mm, I make him a funny face. He just can't accept. And then at a, after two or three minutes of doing that, a big smile comes on his face. And he had it. He was actually a beautiful guy. And when sees, see, everybody sees it except me. Mm -hmm. Everybody's yeah, walking, we... walking around with doubts in their head. Mm. This and guy that's where a tap on the shoulder, just a gentle reminder. And I love what you just shared that. So the insecurities that you had you pretty much took a break from trying to figure it out or do anything about it. And because what kept them alive was your own attention on it, they just pretty much disappeared. So what then that means, and speak to this if you like, is that kind of letting go or transcending these limitations or whatever wording people might be comfortable with is not an active thing to do. It's a, it's a rather passive thing to do. It's and again, it's all about seeing, like once you see that you have this unnecessary interference with, with the wisdom, with the beauty, with God, if that's that's the word that people like, then you just take your hands off. But it's really hard to kind of take your hands off before you see that. Yeah, you see, it's an understanding. Once you understand how it works, it becomes self-evident what you should do before you understand how it works. And that's what, where people have different levels of insight. See, they're working towards the detachment of their own thinking, their own impression of what life is. And that impression is created from what they believe you have to do to, to solve their uncomfortable feeling or to attain a spiritual grasp of life. But in reality, it's the detachment, which comes from raising your level of consciousness. So if you don't know anything what I'm saying or can't figure it out, just get happy. <laughs> you know, Just be happy and see how that works. And there's only one thing that can make you unhappy because that's your natural natural level and that's your thinking and once you see the connection remember i said you spiritual you walk into the oneness but you notice that if you're thinking it interferes with it versus the other way where you're looking at your personal self 
and you and so you're taught not to think so much because that's what the three p psychologists teach that thought creates feelings and as you start to understand that you start to see that it's more like unraveling a puzzle rather than solving a puzzle. And you start to see things like, I can't figure this out. You go to bed, you wake up the next morning and boom, there's the answer. Except you start to do it quicker. And you start to say, oh, I can't see, but if I relax or, you know, the big psychological word is calm. If you calm down, you and what happens is you, you uh, allow some air between your ears it's this it's this it's the rock between the ears that is causing you not to see the air that is actually all around the rock and once you start to pick that up you start to explore all the beautiful feelings you have and it turns out it's a lot more fun to explore beautiful feelings than ugly feelings. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're experiencing an ugly feeling, like addiction or depression, nothing wrong with that. That's part of your journey to let you know you're going in the wrong direction. And what is the wrong direction? It isn't the wrong direction. It's the path where you've associated that feeling as bad. You've created that impression, bad. God is saying, no, no, you need a kick in the ass because you're not listening. Wouldn't you want to know that you're, if you're not listening, you're going on the wrong path? I guarantee you that a lot of people are just closing their eyes or defining their world to the point where they're old, when they're 40 years old, mm. you know, you know, I'm 76 and theoretically I should be hanging it up, but I'm just starting my career. I'm just starting. I just working in, in the Muslim community, you know, about a year and it's, it's really opened up. You see, the answer to your original question was, I just followed the positive feelings. I didn't question where the positive feelings took me. As a Jewish person going into the Muslim world and, and in, a, in a leading position in the Muslim world, which Muslims like me? Well, it turns out they all like me if they meet me because I have a lot of bad jokes, really bad jokes, <laughs> terrible jokes. Ah, it's embarrassing, but they like it. They laugh. And as soon as a person laughs, it's over. It's over. Yeah. I love what you said about beautiful feelings. I think it's probably one of the most common expressions in my podcast. Also, the word thought is common. But I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit because somebody hearing this might think or say, I get it. Yeah. Thought creates feeling. And I that's what I want, the beautiful feelings. But how do I work with feelings? How do I follow my bliss, as Joseph Campbell has put it? So let's talk a little bit how that process might look like. And again, in a way, we kind of already said that the, once you get the understanding, like if I keep on hurting myself like this, as soon as I see that, I stop doing it. But how does that process look like for you? 
Well, the, the, for me, I, I only talk about my personal journey because, you know, it, it has its own. But it, I had a very, very big ego and a, a strong, I'm very intelligent and very strong opinion about life was. And I was, to be honest, quite a bit smarter than most people out there. And uh, in, the, in mathematics, I'm in the 99.9 .9 percentile. So right at the top type thing you know I took I didn't take general math in in university I took the honors math and although I was the laziest guy in university all the top people knew I was with them type of thing even though I would never did any work type of thing so so I was I, I had a very strong personal opinion so when I had my spiritual insight what was my handicap I had a strong personal opinion <laughs> and <laughs> that was my, you know, the problem, you know, and, and so bit by bit, I started to become more aware of the restriction of it because things weren't working out. You know, I was still having a lot of personal problems and, and I wasn't growing at, at, you know, and it was interfering with my spiritual journey. So the awareness was was and i was stubborn because i was intelligent you know type of thing you know how intelligent people can be very opinionated and 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 so bit by bit through negative experiences or bad experiences i started to realize that i was smart enough not to give up my good feelings through these things i wouldn't give up hope but they were really like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. It was uncomfortable and, and disappointing, very disappointing. And what's the point of sharing if you're always gonna be bummed out and up and down? So you started to see what interfered with that. And what interfered with that, it turned out was I didn't care what interfered with that. I cared about getting to the creativity, the good stuff, love. I wanted my heart to feel love. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to, ha I didn't care about being rich, but I wanted to be happy. And I started to figure things out. If it wasn't fun, I wasn't going to do it. That became a mantra, no fun. No Harry. I'm only. I doing love that things. mantra. Yeah, I'm, that's all Harry does. I'm not working in the Muslim people because I'm making a big input and creation into the three principles and teaching all the people all the stuff and helping all these people have addiction. That's bullshit. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because it's fun. It's fun. It's fun working with different cultures. Fun. It's exploratory. And I'm that type of guy. I don't like to hold on to stuff. I like to fly like the eagles, exploring the, the universe, allowing my thoughts, my dreams to become reality. That's what I'm like. So I started to notice that my personal opinion, while right, was interfering with the freedom of being Harry. And I had to give it up. And so, I, of course, I still have it. But it, it, and then I started to realize, oh, that silence that I experienced in this oneness experience 
that's where all the goodies are. And I started to stop thinking. So when you come on this, so let me explain it to people in simple terms. That's kind of like airy fairy stuff. How do you pronounce your name? Give me Rasma. Oh yeah, you were you're not alone, by the way, in, in terms of not knowing how to pronounce. Yeah. Rasmic. Okay, Rasmic. Okay. So what so so we we Rasmic comes on the show. I'm gonna tell you what he experiences. Before the show, he's just Rasmic, the ordinary guy. But if if there's gonna be a, a deeper feeling. He steps into this deeper feeling and leaves Rasmic alone behind his personal opinion. And he steps into a higher space, a higher feeling where he's not thinking about Rasmic. He brings it back from, but he's primarily flowing at a higher level. And that's what I call healing people. That's healing. Rasmic is doing a trick for free. He's smart. He's a smart guy. He's Armenian after all. So he's not going to be a dumbass. He's not going to pay for it. You know, he's, he's, he steps into this higher space. And when he steps into this higher space, his personal opinion is left behind and he learns, he absorbs, he experiences who he is. And then he's not the same when he goes back into his ordinary world. And then he sometimes says, gee, I, I wouldn't mind being up there. And so he starts heading a little bit more. He starts to understand, actually, it, it doesn't need a show to be in it, but it works. There's PowerPoints in our life, places. Like if you're in the middle of a war zone, don't tell me you're going to feel the same as you're on a trip to Hawaii. But here's the trick. You can. You can. But it's a lot harder. A lot easier just to be on a trip to Hawaii with your feet in the sun and sitting back, now, no interruption, you know, and all that stuff. But if it is happening, these wars and these explosions and the political corruption and all this stuff, you can't lose your sanity because of it. In actual fact, everybody knows that when you're in a disaster zone, you have to bring your A game into play or else you're going to be killed or or have a huge traumatic experience and that's all trauma is a thought after it happened and you think about it oh it's a big deal i really suffered and maybe you did but but the point the point is when you're playing a sports event you can casually play with somebody but when you play in competition you've got to play you bring your a game and that's the same way in life. There's sometimes it requires you to bring your A game. And if you can't pretend, and that's what human beings do. The answer to all your questions, we pretend. We created our illusions of our life, our impressions of life through the filter called thought, personal thought. And we create our interpretation. The truth is, if you see a tree, that's a fact. Your impression of the tree is an illusion. The tree is the fact, not the thoughts about. It's a beautiful tree. It's an ugly tree. It's just a tree. But you create your impression. War. Some people have, have explored things. In indigenous world, they were all 
The kids were taken away, sent to a residential school. Their hair was cut. They had to have their names changed. And they were religious. Some people actually had a good experience in that. Others had a terrible experience. It's, it's, you have to deal with what's in front of you. The truth about war is it's not always pretty. That's the fact. I really appreciate that you brought up this context and we talked a little bit about this before the podcast. And I, I like what you said that it's certainly much harder to touch those beautiful feelings when you literally have to be worried about your physical presence. But at the same time, but at the same time, it can be the other way around too. And we, a lot of Armenians, a lot of Armenians have experienced that. My, my dad was the first person that experienced that. And he told me about it as I would grow up and the way, I don't know if it would, I don't know if that's how he explained it to me, or maybe that was my interpretation, but it was more like, well, look, we're, we're always feeling a feeling. We don't really know that we are creating it with thought. So we always project it to something external. But if the external reality becomes so chaotic, so bizarre, and you know that there's zero solution in the external, then it's you might as well look inside. So that can be as serve as a radical excuse to have uh, the spiritual transformation. And this this is I like that we speak about this because I wanted to ask you a little bit about the timing of these things, and. We're, we're recording this in December, and I was thinking the other day that a lot of my insights uh, kind of come up very unexpectedly, but a lot of them do come up around Christmas time. I'm really curious if you can speak about this. Is there, is it more of something like a collective uh, con- consciousness is somewhat more relaxed or maybe we because of our holidays we give ourselves a little bit more space but how can we use this time for a genuine spiritual transformation and use is not the right word but you know what i mean yeah well your your analysis of 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 it is correct is that people uh get more into a vacation mode or spiritual mode uh, the Christian movement, you know, in the Muslim world, it, it's not even, ex, ex, they don't do any of that stuff. Uh, 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 so on Christmas Day, they they study <laughs> or something, you know, or with, with a scholar or something. Mm-hmm. But, but in the Christian world, and because my wife is Christ, Christian, and, and, and so our family is, is Christian not we're not really and the truth is none of us are religious but mm-hmm. but you know we uh, i um the the all those factors that you talk about collective consciousness it shows how easy it is to change the world from war to peace it's the collective consciousness it, uh, example uh, uh, a guy I, i'm not that keen on him but George Pransky once talked told a story he said there was a time in the world where all wars stopped when was that time it actually was when the world cup this is a few world cups ago when the world cup finals was on all wars stopped and everybody watched the world cup soccer final thing and then when it was over 
and this is part of your story, because why doesn't it continue? When it's over, they started the war, but they didn't have to. That's our, they, they, their mind had gotten into the World Cup thing. And then it's, the game was over and they, but Christmas was over and they thought, well, but, so it's the same story, Rat, Rasmic, about, about the, the, the sweat lodge. You go in and experience the Christmas spirit in the sweat lodge, but you come out, but if you're going to start thinking, see, that's the role of thought. So the feeling is healing. The, the, it, it, it works, it collectively works, but they don't get the lesson. They don't get the understanding that that feeling, see, it, the appearance is gifts and food and celebration. Some, do you know which time is the busiest season for psychologists? You know which season that is? Christmas. You know why? Mm. People are lonely. Maybe they have more space to think too. So well, they're, it, it, more than that, it's it's what you're talking. It's a big event, and you have a, mm -hmm. a tendency to evaluate. But more than that, you want to be with family mm -hmm. and people, and all, and you're all alone. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you could tolerate it, but not at Christmas. Christmas is a abundant, together feeling, and so loneliness. So they break down. So Christmas has the greatest cycle, not only the greatest celebration, which you are experiencing and enjoying, and I enjoy it as well, but, but it's also the hardest time for people psychologically because they're lonely. And in, in reality, it's a shame because we're taught we're supposed to help each other. And that's where the world falls down. First, you have to get it for yourself. And then you have to share it. And if you sharing it is the second half of the, see the circle has two halves. First, you have to get it to complete the circle. You have to share. So first, you've got to be selfish. Totally selfish. I call that divine selfishness. I actually okay. have a few articles about that. I okay. like that. Yeah, well, it's 100% correct. Once you get that, then you have to give selfishness totally up and, and help other people. Why? Not because you're helping other people, because it gives you the feelings. What mm -hmm. you put out comes back. Nothing makes you, to see a sad person smile, that stays with you for days. Somebody gives you $1,000, that stays with you five minutes or, you mm -hmm. know. You know. So, so you're, you, you start to see how it works spiritually. And so Christmas is a time where people go and help homeless people and give things more, give more money. And they get out of their heads about their own world. The kids are more important, the presents that the presents are not as important as the giving of the presents type mm -hmm. thing. And, and so, so we start to learn about at Christmas that sharing positive feelings is very healing individually and collectively. And as the people get into the celebration mode, the whole world shifts. But as the old traditions and feelings get lost, Christmas becomes more material. 
and then unfortunately for people that it, then it, it 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 does so the i have two grandkids they get way too many gifts and they don't really cue in on every gift they just cue on one or two gifts type of thing so so you're it's the kids are the teachers they if they aren't picking up on the feeling you're teaching them to be materialistic. If they're picking up on the, on the feeling, and I love this story. I have three kids, and my um, my firstborn uh, girl, she was very, very, very content, uh, unusually quiet and content. But one year, and we were relatively poor, although we not too poor, but relatively poor so all year we didn't give our kids everything they wanted but at christmas we would buy and we went to every swap meet and uh garage sale and we our our whole we never bought so much stuff it was just packed and my daughter spent two weeks playing with a box she really liked this box empty box there's that's being lost now mm. with the, the the just and was she happy she was totally happy two weeks she just never non-stop this was really fascinating to her and she had all of these material that's mankind we have so much you see armenia it's unfortunate but the truth is you're you're living in a more abundant time yourself than your, you know, the older people did. Where you know, mm -hmm. like my dad started working at 13 years old, and he he became a furrier because he made a nickel, one nickel, five cents more than being a barber an hour. That nickel transformed his whole life. That he what he did for the rest of his life one nickel and and you know i'd go to a show and it would be 25 cents a movie 25 cents and 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 stuff now money's water it's water just go it's just like the prices of things are so high and people are and doing and we're traveling and we're doing all this you went to arizona and all this stuff people it's we live in amazing lives nobody knows it though because all they're talking about is the wars mm. yeah i understand it's so well you kind of yeah i mean when it's you kind of feel like you got to talk about it because you got to do something about it but then the point when you start realizing well am i by talking about it and by paying attention to the feeling of how you talk about it because you can talk about war from a feeling that manifests peace and makes people appreciate the peace that they have and then there is another way of talking about it which pretty much adds to the suffering i i love this story that you shared about your daughter and that reminded me of a very profound experience i once had i was doing some spiritual work with a friend and I was just very in a relaxed state and I, he helped me go back to some childhood experiences where I was so happy. And then I almost asked my, 
I was asking questions to my spirit in a very metaphorical language. And then my spirit just revealed to me, well, I was happy for zero reason. I didn't need any reason. It was just pure openness and receptiveness. And then I also was taken back to another experience when I was suffering. And then the spirit showed me that the only reason I was suffering is because of my own thoughts. I was just getting on my way. I was just getting being self-critical. Like with the state of mind that I was looking at that memory, there was no, we know that external things don't cause feelings, but we still buy into that illusion. And it was just so interesting. And as I'm seeing my nephews play with the most simple toys and all that joy that comes through, again, coming back to the fact that all religion points to the same thing, the Christian metaphor that you have to become like a little child so that the light of God or whatever the metaphor is comes through you is just so accurate and I really love how you pointed to it yeah yeah it's 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 really uh quite simple when I work in addiction I and I have big results not this puny little kind of got off it type of stuff but went back <laughs> off it stuff. you know uh you know I have huge results because I'm not doing it I'm really clear. Harry doesn't know how to heal people. Spirit knows how to heal people. God knows how to heal people, not Harry. Allah knows how to heal people, not Harry. So I just kind of guided into a, uh, a thing. But addiction is a heavy topic. I wrote it in my chapter, my my book, but you don't have to be heavy about serious as a serious topic, but you don't have to mm -hmm. be serious, personally serious about it. Now, what happens when people come to me? Now I have big results. So so don't tell me it's wrong. I never talk about addiction. If like people off cocaine, off pharmaceuticals, but we never talked about the drug, the, the effects. We didn't talk. See, we're, I'm not an expert in the description of the problem. I'm only an expert in healing. And healing means you're talking about healing. You're talking about God, what creates healing. We're talking about good feelings. We're talking about unlimited potential. Those are the feelings that get you out of addiction. You know why? Because it feels better than to be the addiction. As long as the drug is the best feeling you have in life, you're going to keep it. Mm -hmm. And your mind's going to trick you into pretending that it works. And it does work. It keeps you in it. it it keeps you in this form and lets you know you're a vulnerable human being. I am a vulnerable human being. I'm not going to live forever. Oh, I don't have everything together. Oh, big surprise. I'm the last person to see it. But more than that, gee, this fun thing is a lot, feels a lot better than this serious thing. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So you, so psychologically, you start to see 
even though addiction is a serious problem, you can still laugh about addiction. Yeah, even even about a war. I mean, I'll, uh, people. Me I, I speak with a lot of people in Phil. Let me give you an example mm -hmm. about war. So, there's a war between the Jewish and the Muslims. They've been fighting for thousands forever hate each other and the kids have all all heard stories from the grandparents of somebody in the family that's been killed by the other side you know mm -hmm. one way or the other so they have and they grew up with all of that i'm working with this guy a muslim in nigeria uh crack cocaine which he's dropped and i i after after we've really hung out together. I say to him, do you know what I am? Because it's a teaching, it's a teaching. He says, no, I don't know what I says, I'm Jewish. You know what he does? He laughs because in his world, I'm the enemy, but I'm not the enemy anymore. You see, it's an impression. They aren't the bad guys. They. It's just some of the guys are the bad guys. Yeah. And even the bad guys that are bad guys. Uh, Maharishi Yogi had a quote about it there. And I think it was something like, there's no such thing as bad people. They're good people. And then people that don't know that they're good. So it might feel like when we're in pain, if we feel like we just want to do something very active about it. But once we see the innocence of that and forgive. It's just, it's just yeah, it's the innocence yeah. and stupidity of mankind. Yeah. Both innocence and stupidity of mankind. I would like the three principles to go faster out into the world. I would like to see psychology totally change to truth rather than fiction. But we know it only goes at its at its own pace mm. and when life allows you see we we as human beings catch waves but it turns out that the best surf person who surfs is not the winner of the competition the best winner of the competition is the one who knows how to catch the right waves mm. the big waves are going to get more points than the small waves but the trick is with the small waves, you learn how to ride the big waves. And when life sends you a small wave, if you show gratitude, that's when you let God know that you're ready for a bigger wave. Yeah. Lack of gratitude, you, but you, you're, you're not ready for a bigger wave. If you can't say thank you right now, you're fucked. Period. And that absolutely carl jung had an, i keep on bringing these quotes but carl jung had carl jung had a saying beware of unearned wisdom and i feel like that's that's what was being pointed to and i love that you shared about the unseriousness and almost like the redundance of active problem solving and one experience that i had <clears throat> that proved it to me is i was working with this person and she called me a few days later and said oh the the habit the bad habit thing that i had it kind of went away I was like, what bad habit thing? And I looked into my notes. We didn't, we didn't actually speak about that. 
And that was very interesting. And I think that it was because that topic, like often you share the three principles and people come with this urgent topic, urgent problem that they want to solve. And there's so much thinking around that. So maybe there isn't so much receptiveness about that, but something else, which is just in the background, is just somehow sometimes gets it easier. And the well, that's, that's and seriousness is a big part. Time, all the time. And, and people, you put out energy ahead of you, but generally truth comes through the back door. Mm, it's, it's kind of like a trick. You put out positive energy, exploring and changing and, and you've done your best. I want to share this message. It's very important. And it, 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 it generally, it comes through the back door, but the experience, I'm going to give you an indigenous experience and um, in it is all you have to do. So you don't have to think about your problems. We've been emphasizing this. You don't even want to talk about how your problems work to teach you. You want to forget about all of that stuff. But I'm going to give you um, um, a essence story that will tell you everything that you have to do, the only thing you have to do. And if you follow this, what the spirit told me, then you will have everything you need to do and you'll be self-satisfied which obviously sounds really cool. So here's the experience. I'm a white person and the pipe came from uh, prison, in, in Nevada prison from a person that I helped but I never met. And he sent me his, the pipe and some other teachings. And I said, a pipe, I'm a white person in, in the Indian world. What do I need a pipe for? But it came. The first thing I noticed was, so that came spiritually through the, through, and he was taught that when I had taught what I had, he, I had taught him, he had to give his, his most valuable possession. That's Indian teaching, native Indian. We call it indigenous teaching here. Indian is, is a, yeah. so the indigenous teaching. And, and so he sent his pipe, which was his most precious possession. And I, and, and I said, well, what? And so I took, I went with the pipe and I went, I know indigenous people. In the, and so I went to a village and, 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 and these people were having problems. And so I did a pipe ceremony without any much. And I noticed they listened to me. Like before, as a white man, it's just a white man who had a, a nice guy, good jokes, but... Uh, and seemed to know a few things, but they wouldn't listen, couldn't teach. But with the pipe, the symbolism of the pipe, because in the native world, uh, you know, we have in the white world, PhD is the highest. Mm -hmm. Pipe carriers much higher in the Indian world than a PhD, much higher. It's the highest. So all of a sudden, I'm a pipe carrier and they're listening to my teaching. I say, oh, I can educate now with the, mm. but the problem was I'm a white guy and all these shaman, which is, would tell me you have to do this, Harriet. And they were all contradicting each other and they weren't doing it themselves, but they wanted me to do it. And it got me really, really confused. And so I, I'm, I don't get confused very easy. 
with the three principles, you kind of have a, a yeah. free. But I was Drowned really in. confused. Mm -hmm. It was really, and I, I was starting to get a little heavier. And I went on holiday uh, to this place in, in Nevada, which is very close to Arizona. You know how beautiful it is with the sandstone mountains and all that type of stuff. And it turns out that the sandstone mountains talk to me. They do. The spirit comes. And every time I bring my pipe out, an ego comes 100% of the time in, in, in Nevada. 100% of the time. I don't know how it comes. It just comes. And so I go to this Grapevine Canyon, and it's 120 degrees, because it gets pretty hot in Arizona and Nevada at certain times. And there's an alcove, and I sit in there, so it's semi-cool, not too cool, but I lay my pipe down. On the right is petroglyphs, which are Indian signs from Wave, and, and then the, over here are sandstone mountains, and the spirit starts talking to me. And, and of course, an eagle comes. And, and, and this, so they say, go ahead, ask us any question. I, so the first question I asked, am I a pipe carrier? They say, oh no, we love what you're doing. Absolutely love what you're doing. I says, well, why are they giving me all of this stuff to do? And the spirit says, that's for them, not for you. You're already past that. They need that to, for them but you don't need it anymore. Oh, I says, oh, that's nice. Well, well, why, why, you know, I'm trying to help all these indigenous people. Why aren't I, I, why aren't I helping more people? I'm, it's frustrating, you know? And here's, here's the teaching guys. And it's a hundred percent true. And it's all unique. This is what the spirit told me. And it changed my life. Didn't get it from three principles, got it from native, the native teachings. This is what the spirit said. You ready? You do your best, Harry, and we'll take care of the rest. And I said, ooh, all I have to do is my best. I don't have to be better than that. I just have to do my best and they'll take care of the rest. And I have to tell you people, that's exactly the story of my life. I just do my best and the spirit takes care of the rest. That's the whole picture. And I have no pressure anymore because I, I know if I'm not doing my best and if I'm doing my best, even if it doesn't work out, figure it out. I'm still proud. I did my best. I could have done better. And, if, and of course, when you do your best, 98% of it, smooth as silk, baby. See, I haven't created my reality. Spirit has created my reality. And I've said, yes, that's a higher level of consciousness. Lower level, no, I'll think about it. Give me a couple of weeks. Higher level, you trust the feeling. You saved yourself two weeks of aggravation. <laughs> I love that. You do your best and we'll take care of the rest. That's and that's beautiful. Exactly Thank you for sharing that. And, and everything. And that's your journey. That's what you have to learn. Mm. You are doing your best and it will happen. And of course, you go, I want it now. <laughs> yeah. That's not the way it works, people. One time I'm in the car with Sid Banks 
we're driving him somewhere and I, I'm in a really good space. And I say, she said, spirit sure moves slow. And he goes, <laughs> he goes to me with a big smile. Ah, Harry, really slow. See, the mind goes real fast and spirit goes real slow. But it goes. So we have to slow down to the speed of the spirit, the speed of life. That's right. That's the answer. Beautiful. I mean, that's a spiritual psychological answer. Which Harry, one? if the, is there any other question that you wish I had asked? Um, I I don't really relate like that. I don't really think about questions. I know, um, but I always love letting my guests uh, to uh, well, I just, just bring what they want to bring. People to, mm -hmm. to recognize no credentials and people come to me and I'm not creating it. All I'm saying is yes. Don't worry that you don't know enough. Share and you'll grow from the experience. Don't be afraid to fall on your face. Don't be afraid to, to learn from your mistakes. Don't be afraid to keep evolving. And in that time when I looked like I was doing nothing, I mentioned this to Rasmic, I was learning all this stuff. You never stop growing spiritually, never. But it looks like you're not growing because you're too serious about what you define as success, but you're picking up qualities and stuff. Don't give up, don't give up. It's ridiculous. You can pretend to give up once in a while, but never give up inside. And everything is an inside out experience. For me, I just have to say thank you. That's all I have to say. 76 and cooking, just starting my career at 76. It's amazing. And how does it happen? I'm just a lucky guy. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that message of hope and inspiration. It has been such a pleasure to speak yeah. with you. And I know that my listeners will appreciate this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone wants to contact me, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to send yeah. you, you send me, I, you know, my two books, Evolution. I've written four books, actually, but two of them are indigenous. And uh, Evolution of Addiction, Recovery, book one, and Evolution of Addiction, Recovery, Reopen, book two. Book one is about addiction and how to, how to get get out of it book two it's a, it's called reopen but it's about who you are as a spiritual person and as you step into a spiritual reality there is no addiction there is life and everybody everybody cannot get away from the one simple fact you are not perfect on the outside you are perfect on the inside it's just simple we don't pretend people don't try to be perfect it creates stress stress creates addiction behavioral patterns and 
if you're in that world, relax, relax. It's no big deal. You'll figure it out. Especially if you follow a spiritual psychological direction, especially like the three principles. AA has a 5% success rate. Take a look at my success rate and you'll see, ah, actually, and Harry's not doing it, remember. He's not telling you what to do. He's not saying you're a bad boy. No, no. He's saying you're a good boy. It's just you learned something that's time to let it go. Nothing, no big deal. And everybody who works with me has fun. They come in heavy. I wrote in my book, everybody who comes to me comes with one problem. They don't like their thinking and they want to know how to control it. So the first thing I tell them is you can't control it. Excellent. So it's not a thinking process. It's a inside out spiritual experience, an insight, a revelation, a miracle, a transformation. Transformation, change thought, change thought and change thought. Or have a spiritual insight of what God is and you change thought. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Lots of fun. That's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Facebook for more content on wellness and personal development. Go to facebook.com forward slash brand new thought. This is Brand New Thought and I'm Rasmix Sargassian wishing you a peaceful week ahead. Goodbye.